it's Steve Tasker who has been all over the field. Kind of unique. He was kind of a dual role player for you. Steve. A balloon. Steve. A blimp. We're not even in the stratosphere of normalcy. All right, how you be here on a Wednesday? Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. Back Bill's training, training camp. camp. Oh. The second to last practice here at St. John Fisher University. Beautiful day. Uh, the humidity and high heat is out of the area. And it was like a beautiful 75 degrees. So nice. Mix of sun and clouds. Uh, perfect weather for training camp, even for the players. Yeah, absolutely. So, Really great atmosphere, fans out here. And um, a lot of team segments again today. Some run periods, little red zone at the very end. Defense came to play today. Uh, they made some plays, breaking up passes in the end zone. Uh, Matt Milano had a pass break up in the end zone. A couple other guys did as well. And I don't know, like, is the offense supposed to be crisper than that? I I guess you can make that argument. A lot of short and intermediate stuff today. It looked like they were working a lot of short to medium down and distance today. So they were kind of working those plays. Because just about everything was within 15 yards in a line of scrimmage in terms of routes and completions and all of that stuff. So I'm, I'm only guessing, but I'm, I'm assuming it was an area of focus. So we'll have to see what changes between now and tomorrow and all that jazz. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what to think when I see the offense kind of struggle like that a little bit. And then I try to remind myself, like, the defense is really good. It's probably going to be even better than it was last year. But at the same time, I'm left saying to myself, well, this is one day of practice. Should I be worried about this? And then inevitably, the offense comes back the next day, and they look a heck of a lot better. The blue and the red scrimmage practice, for example, was, I mean, the passing game was on point. That was probably the best the passing game has looked all, all through training camp. So I guess I should not be concerned in any way. Um, But who knows? I I don't know. Did you feel differently? It it looked that way when during training camp. It it always looks that way in training camp. It always looks bad for the offense in training camp because the defense gets used to looking at you and seeing what you're doing. You know, every DB out here knows exactly what the offense is going to do. The offensive players are, are inhibited by they have to do what the play is called. So the defenders, they can do. You know, they can play different techniques. They can do whatever they want in, in, in regards to the defense. It just it always looks bad for the offense is all I can say because the defenders get to know the individuals playing that playing offense so well, What no matter what group is in there. I mean, how many times have they seen Dawson Knox? How many times have they seen O.J. Howard and Steph Diggs? And Dave? I mean, these guys, I, I mean, it's like, it's like Groundhog Day out here. So they know what's going to happen. They know the play that's coming. They can, and they they get the 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 concepts quicker. The, and the defense, you know, it's just easier for them. Yeah. And there's no full contact. So when you're rushing the passer, you look better because there's nobody that can really get in your way and make you pay for it. And when you're defending the and when you're defending passes as a DB, there ain't nobody calling penalties either. So 
yeah, defenses always look good in training camp, a lot better than the offenses do. But there's, you know, those are the reasons for it. You just, um, it's the way the whole thing is structured, the way the game's played, that makes it look that way. Yeah. We have uh, another jam-packed show for you today. We will have defensive tackle Tim Settle coming your way at the bottom of the hour in about 25, 30 minutes' time. We'll catch up with him, go through his free agency process and how he came to decide upon Buffalo as his next destination in his football career. And we'll ask him what he thinks of the group on the defensive interior, of which he is a part. It's a heck of a top quartet there between him, Ed Oliver, Jordan Phillips, and Daquan Jones. So uh, we'll get Tim's thoughts on all of that in about 30 minutes' time from now. We also, in the second hour of our show, are going to have CBS sideline reporter Evan Washburn. And I know you and I both had a chance to talk to him while watching practice this morning. And he was telling me that in all likelihood he's going to have a handful of Bill's games that he'll be covering this year. Because, he said, I'm going to be honest with you, for CBS, they're either the A game or they're one of the B games every single week. They're not going to drop below the second crew. Exactly. Which means, which which means a lot of Eye and Eagle. A lot of Eye and Eagle. And, and uh, Charles, Charles Davis, Davis. And Jim Nansen. Tony and Romo. Tony Romo. Um, they're, yeah, if, and because here's another thing, too. All those primetime games the Bills have, those, that's not the CBS crew. So when CBS gets the Bills, it's going to be their one crew, the two yeah. crew. Uh, and there's not that many games left over after you take out five primetime games and a 4 p.m. game. So... Uh, now, there's a chance that they could get the 4 p.m. game. But, yeah, the Bills have supplanted the Patriots as the go-to uh, AFC East team for the for the networks and, and also in, even the entire conference. So we'll catch up with Evan in the second hour of the show. He's caught a number of training camps to this point. Yeah, so 11, he said. He's we'll pick to. his That's, brain on a bunch of them. Yeah. See what his thoughts are about the AFC. So that'll be interesting to go over that with him as we are all suffering at this point from Bill's myopia. Um, we did see Roger Saffold line up with uh, the starting unit again today, but he's still being only rotated in for a limited number of reps as he is still recovering from the rib injury suffered in the car accident. And they're rotating a number of guys through, through the course of camp in that spot for Saffold, knowing he can't fill out the full complement of reps. It's nice to see Spencer Brown. I think he's just about full go at this point in time, uh, getting yeah, a no. lot more reps at his position than he was at the beginning of camp when you know he wasn't allowed to do team segments of practice. He is now, as is Ryan Bates. So that offensive line is almost completely back together with the five that I think we all anticipated all along would be the crew. Yeah, it's... Um... Yeah, no question that they're getting better, but and it's still so. I haven't played a preseason game yet, and it's we've seen Brownie. You and I have watched this club, and all these guys go get injured, come back from injury. We're watching Tre'Davious White go through this thing now. Spencer Brown has been going through it, and of course Saffold because of the ribs and the car accident he got into. They just don't hurry these guys back, and this is the last thing you want to do at this time of year as well. So I'm imagining right. that even. I, I, we don't know. And here's the thing. We've heard about Trey White uh, and Saffold and Spencer Brown are the exact same scenario. They're coming back from an injury, whatever that injury is, whether it's an ACL, whether it's ribs or, or whatever 
happened to Spencer Brown. Any of that stuff that they're coming back from, they're going to take their time, and they keep telling us, even in the case of Tredavious White, he's on schedule. Well, to me, that means lining up on Thursday night against the Rams opening weekend. That's the drop-dead date. Right. And whatever time they need to get ready for that, that means they're going to be out there in, with, in, with that amount of time left to get ready. So uh, Saffold being rotated in and, and on a snap count seems absolutely appropriate at this point, as it did with Spencer Brown. They were rotating him in, and you could just see it. You and I are – it's so easy to see when you're out here, you and I, every day. Oh, today he took eight snaps. Oh, t- today he took 12 snaps. Oh, today's 15 snaps. Oh, today he stayed in the whole period. You know, that kind of thing. You just watch it progress as it goes along. And, and you know, you come out the next day, and if he's out there taking reps, it means that yesterday's reps were perfect for him, and he didn't have any side effects from it. Saffold, same thing. And you and I have talked about it. You get bad ribs. <laughs> Man, it's hard. When yeah. you're out in training camp, you can't breathe deep. You can't sleep. Man, you just want to die. It's so bad. So bad, but yeah, he's back in and he's starting to take some reps on a on a pitch count, so he's starting to feel better. Yeah. NFL news and notes. Yesterday, after we went off the air, Commissioner Roger Goodell at the press conference to announce that the sale of the Broncos was complete to the Walton Penner Group was understandably asked questions at that press conference about what will become of a suspension for Deshaun Watson. Now, as we know, he appointed. Uh, an independent person to handle the appeal. And the general consensus is the NFL is pursuing at least a year-long suspension with their appeal. So he was asked about it, and Commissioner Goodell says, evidence calls for at least a full-year suspension for Deshaun Watson. Where it comes down after the appeal is argued remains to be seen, but... He actually labeled Watson's behavior predatory, which is the same term that Sue Robinson used in her decision. Right. So while they describe the same thing, the league is clearly looking for a much stiffer penalty for Watson. And where it comes down and when it comes down remains to be seen. It's supposed to be handled in expedited fashion. Yeah. We're going to get it soon. I, I'm wondering if it's before these preseason games this weekend. Could it be as soon as tomorrow yeah, or maybe. Friday morning? My, my question would be, and if, if you're looking for, and there has to be, there's going to be some logic behind this decision. Uh, it's not going to be just what, what 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 did Roger want? Okay, that's it. Uh, because there was some logic behind the six game suspension, no fine, and 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 the other parameters that were laid out. But it would seem to me that. There are multiple infractions. And if you take each one of them, and I, I think it's wrong to set them aside just because one guy had this mo- this way of operating, doing business, predatory nature, that all that is one infraction. If there's multiple infractions, why isn't it a penalty for every infraction? Certainly you get a 15 yards every time you get a penalty on the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if they find him guilty of four of the five infractions they brought before Sue L. Robinson, why wouldn't he get four times the, the suspension? And if it's six games, why wouldn't it be 24 games? 
Is my math right? 24 games. It is. Yeah, why wouldn't it be 24 games? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I don't see that happening, but I know what you're saying. So there's – so I, I get it, and we'll see. I, it should happen soon, and uh, I think we'll all be ready to forget about it for a while when it does come down. It. Um, I don't know. I just have a hard time seeing the arbitrator when it's picked by the guy not to be in the guy's favor. Yeah. You know, it's, it's going to be what Roger Goodell wants, at least. Yeah. And I don't <laughs> – I can't see the general public being bothered by that at all because I think a lot of people were scoffing at the six-game suspension. So – Well, yeah, I'm We'll see where it lands. I, in fact, well, Deshaun Watson didn't scoff. He didn't even appeal it. He's like, yeah, okay, I'll take it. Yeah. It's like three hundred and thirty grand for him. Yeah, that's not, peanuts. Yeah, it's not even. That's not even a weekend vacation in Vegas for him. <laughs> uh, you know? Two former uh, Bills running backs in trouble with the law. Former NFL running back Marshawn Lynch is facing multiple charges after being arrested on DUI charges in Las Vegas. As we know, early in his career as a Bill. He had a hit-and-run incident while driving his vehicle as well, which led to a league suspension. Obviously, he's not playing anymore, so he doesn't have to answer to the league. But nevertheless, DUI arrest for Marshawn Lynch in Las Vegas. We'll see what comes of that. And then Frank Gore uh, arrested for simple assault in an alleged domestic incident. So unfortunate to hear about those things, but they're a matter of record, so there they are. Browns with a bad break. They lost their primary return man, Jakeem Grant, to a torn Achilles that was suffered in practice yesterday. He is lost for the season, which immediately makes me wonder, Steve, if you feel like you have a bevy of return option players here, which you could argue the Bills do, is that a trade opportunity, you know, come the end of camp when you figure out who you have and who's healthy and who you want to keep? Um, just something to keep an eye on going forward. I mean, I would imagine the Browns are already looking. If they feel yeah, they need to add one, they're I, not going to wait. I think the end of this training camp is going to be really interesting. It'll be fascinating. Uh, for, well, not for a long time, but for a couple of days there when you know, they finally cut down to the 53, the Bills are neck deep in pretty good proven offensive linemen. And there is not another team in the league I can think of that is in that situation. Yeah, not um, from a backup perspective. Not from a backup. I mean, the Bills, I think, their their top eight probably could be starters at some or in the in the NFL on 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 a hand more than a handful of teams. You know, the bottom the three guys, the first guy in at center, the first guy in at the guards, and the swing tackle for the Bills, whoever that may be, are starters. Yeah, in the league, so they're going to be sitting really pretty uh, with some assets at the end, and how they handle it. Because I would think, Brownie, what do you think? If I'm Brandon Bean, I I'm doing whatever I can to jump through hoops to make sure I don't lose any of those guys, let alone trade them. Yeah, I don't think you want to. The whole reason he signed a bunch of those guys was to insulate this team in the event of injury on the offensive line, where. You hope, dollars to donuts, you don't have much of a drop-off when you have to go to your second-tier people. 
And with veteran players like Greg Manns and Greg Van Roten, among others, you know, you've got guys that have skins on the wall, as Brandon Bean likes to say. I believe the second unit for the Bills has 128 games played total right. in the league. Right. That is nothing to sneeze at. That is hardcore experience. And so I think the Bills feel insulated by having those players in the event that they lose a starter for a period of time at some point during the season. So yeah, I, I would it, anticipate they not keep only as that, many of those guys right. as possible. And not only that, but, but the fact that the Bills, you know, like a lot of teams have some guys, some depth at wide receiver and some certain like slot receivers, that kind of thing. Uh, who, you know, who comes calling at the Bills and wants a, wants part of their roster on their team? Uh, how the Bills jump through the hoops of who they can keep, who they can can't, who can they, can they hide somebody? Are we going to send, I, I, well, I'm chuckling because we used to, it used to be, hey, listen, you're going to go in and you're going to go down with a back injury after this play. Stay, stay down and make it look good. So the guy, you know, the guy gets to stick around on a roster for a year because of his injured reserve. You know, the rules were different back then. But whatever the rules are and how you hide guys is to the point where the guy's in on it. And he said, yeah, I want to stick around. I want to be here for a year. I want to be part of the team. I want to keep my foot in the door in the NFL, stay on the roster. I'm in. So um, now it's like you got 69 slots, 53 players, and fourteen or 16 practice squad guys. Yeah, four of whom you can protect every week. Four, and now. That can't get poached. Plus, though, I, I mean, and you can say, well, we can just keep all these guys. Well, yeah, but you know what? There's some teams around that have got some guys that we'd like too, better than some of the guys we, you know, we've already signed. Or somebody signed one of those guys right before training camp that you really were hounding. You lost him, and now you got a chance to get him back on your practice squad. Those kind of things happen all the time. I think the last week of tra- plus, we said it. They're going to have to restructure or do some stuff with the salary cap to give themselves some room for the season. And there's always a chance they may extend Jordan Poyer. All that stuff is in that stew. Yeah. You know, so I'm really interested to see, you know, you think, you know, Brandon Bean, you think once you sign the 53 and you get it out there, the, the general manager can kind of sit back and put his feet up and watch him play. No such luck here in the last two or three weeks of training camp. So that is basically that. Uh, Stefan Diggs, a non-participant today, but it was a veteran rest day for him, so that kind of calmed everybody's nerves. There were a couple other receivers still not participating today as the numbers at that position continue to be low, right around seven players available at the wide receiver position in practice to this point for the last couple of practices. And you worry about the cumulative effect that that has on the guys that are practicing, knowing they're getting more reps out there. Um, So Stephon Diggs with the veteran rest day, Tavon Austin on the stationary bike today, So those two guys not participating. The good news was Isaiah McKenzie was back practicing, and so too was Khalil Shakir. So they got those two guys back in the fold for practice. Tim Harris, the corner, not practicing again today. And Tyrell Dodson, again, not practicing, missing a second straight day. So those were the non-participants at practice today. You know the most interesting drill I saw today, Steve, in the team segments? There was a seven-on-seven period where it was very clear to me that the team was working on their scramble rules. Obviously, we know Josh is one that is apt to extend plays quite often 
Right. And they were rotating, quote, unquote, first, second, and third team people through, all with Josh, to get them accustomed to how he extends the play. And they were practicing what their scramble rules are. So for our listeners that don't know, maybe just explain what there's, scramble rules are when, for receiving targets, running backs, etc. Right. Well, it's different for every team, and it's different for every quarterback because he'll tell guys what he wants and what and what it basically is. I mean, it's street ball, right? You're you're not running around anymore. You're trying to get open and give him some place to throw the football, but you also want to snap it off a bit for a big play if you can. So, our our rules used to be if. Say, for instance, if you're out there, Josh runs to Josh's right, which would be to your left if you're turning around looking at him down the field. Whichever direction Josh runs to, whichever sideline, the guys that are already on that sideline take off down the field, back, go deep, turn around and go deep, run away from him. The guys that are on the other side snap across the field, come sprinting across the field at whatever depth they are, and go to the open area, come back towards Josh, to, to give themselves an opening. Just find a spot and go in. Josh knows those rules, so when he sees an opening, he looks at the nearest guy, sees that guy's probably going to go in there, and that's where he's going to throw the football. Those are the kind of rules you have. And sitting there's another one. If he goes the other direction, it's just the opposite. The guys that are already on that side of the field go deep, and the guys that are on the, other, on the side of the field where he's running from come across and mirror him and come back and find the open area. Now, also... If he's running and if he escapes to your side and you were already deep on that side, like you're running a, a go route down the sideline, and he, he bolts and he, and he escapes to your side and he's not going to be able to get you the ball, you, that's when you stop, turn around, and sprint back at him. You come right back down the sideline. So in actuality, the guys that are short on that side are running past you to go deep and you're running past them to get shallow. So it becomes for the defenders – a decision do they do they do they zone it off do they wait and don't let the guy get deep on them and stop covering the guy going short you know what i mean um they'll have their own rules for that as well but that's when uh that's what the rules are it used to be now ken dorsey and josh might come up with their own rules like if you're here do this if you're there right. do that uh, the rules are all different for every team and in every situation so but generally speaking that's what our rules are and you practice it practice it a lot and for a guy like Josh, it's crucial. You'll get you'll get a couple of big plays out of it, and sometimes you get a couple of big plays in the same game because you know you only do it if you're running for your life. And if you get into those games where all of a sudden they got a great pass rush, like the Rams on Thursday night, he may be doing that a little bit more than he would in a normal game. So you'll get one of those games where you hit four big plays on the scramble drill, and you get other plays where you don't have any. But you might get two touchdowns. You know what I'm saying? And that's. I mean, think about that Dawson Knox touchdown against the Chiefs. That's on a full blown scramble drill. Josh runs to the right sideline as far as he possibly can, and then finally Knox comes free Deep. just as he's about to reach the sideline, and he uncorks a 30 yard pass to Knox, and it goes for a touchdown right. of like 40 something yards. Um, there are other examples too. You had that tiptoe along by the front corner of the pylon in the end zone when uh, Josh hit Stephon Diggs in a home game last year, right. there was no real estate left. He used every ounce of real estate he had, and yeah, he so did. did Diggs, too, quite frankly. Oh, yeah. But they got a touchdown out of it, and he somehow toe-tapped his feet for the score. So it's not only something you want to practice as a player in this Bills offense when Josh is on the field. 
there are definite rewards in doing so because Josh can get you the ball no matter where he yeah, is on the field. I've seen this, too. Back in the day, uh, Mike Vick had a, had a big arm like Josh does. Yep. He was a lefty. And you'll see it, too, in games where the, the play goes on and on. The guy, they can't get him on the ground, right? So Josh is back there, like in a Rams game, like in 2020, he's stiff arm, and he grabs Aaron Donald's face mask, stiff arm, and pushes him to the ground, keeps Aaron Donald off of him, but he keeps the play alive, and it just goes on and on. And what happens is you'll get the, the, the field, if you're in your own end coming out, so you got all this, you got like 85 yards of field to work with, You'll have defensive backs, because of their training, will know that I can be 10 yards away from Stephon Diggs when we're this deep down the field because if he throws it to him, the ball's going to be in the air long enough for me to cover that ground, get over there and cover him. So I'm going to stay this far away from him and be able to help on this other guy over here on Gabe Davis at the same time. So wherever he throws the ball, it's going to be so far down the field, I'll cover that ground and make the play, the interception or the tip pass. The problem is this. With Josh, they misjudge that. So when Josh drops back and he throws the ball to, you know, Steph Diggs or Gabe Davis, it never goes above 15 feet off the ground, and it gets there faster than the DB thinks it was going to. There's no arc on it. So that's where you get these plays like, don't. You know, the DB's like, oh, my God. I, you yeah. know, they, they realize too late that they can't make that I'm play. I'm thinking of the Emmanuel Sanders touchdown against the Chiefs, which Sanders said is still the, one of the most unbelievable throws he's ever caught in his career. Right. And that's a guy that played 14 years and played with Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, and Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> right. And he said, I don't understand how it even got to me that fast. He said, I turned my head around, I put my two hands up, and it stuck to my hands. And after I caught it, I didn't know what to do. I was looking at myself going, how did that just happen? And it went between two defensive backs who thought they had a read on the ball, and right. then all of a sudden the ball was passed them. That's right. So, uh, and that, you know, you see guys misplay it. Um, teams have, I mean, you think about it. I'll, I'll, go, I'll go back to the Baltimore Ravens in Denver. Peyton Manning's playing for Denver. At this point, they're going to the, it's his first year there. It's, it's when Joe Flacco airs it out, and the DB got caught thinking Joe Flacco couldn't throw it that far. And it went right over his head, touchdown, they lose the game uh-huh. on an improbable lucky luck chuck, you know. <laughs> so that, it happens. So that's one of the things that Josh gives you. So you get out here and you, you, you get used to that as a receiver and you get comfortable with your quarterback running around back there knowing what he expects. You'll have an idea of what he expects and you'll be able to give him what he expects and you can make a completion out of a bad play. We heard from Leslie Frazier before practice this morning, the defensive coordinator addressing the media, and the one note that I jotted down that was of greatest interest to me was he does say that rookie Terrell Bernard is being schooled up to know both the Mike and Will linebacker positions. They believe he's smart enough to handle the responsibilities of both, and he will be backing up both you know, presumably along with other linebackers like Tyrell Dotson and other guys further down the depth chart. But I I found that very interesting, giving a rookie a dual role. Um, Not that they don't do that for other players. Khalil Shakir is expected to know all the positions on offense at the receiver spot. So this is why they draft smart players, because it offers them greater position flexibility. And quite frankly, if you're smart enough to handle that volume of information – 
chances are you're going to get on the field quicker. Because if a guy gets injured at one spot and that's the only spot you fill, well, your chances are less, lesser of getting on the field than if you back up two spots. Right. Um, if you're I just find that very interesting. I mean, they do their homework on these draft prospects all the time, and it's no accident that you got a guy like Terrell Bernard and a guy like Khalil Shakir, even an undrafted guy like Nick McLeod, capable of lining up at multiple positions. They really dive deep into the football IQ and the study habits, quite frankly, of these prospects. And, well, it, it pays dividends. And it's also, I'll say this too, Brown, it's not just, and it, it is about that, about be, a guy being able to retain and being ath- not only athletically fit and sizable enough to do both jobs once he gets on the field. So if you, even if you pick a, pick a spot for him, He's got to be physically able to play. But if he's right. physically able to play multiple spots and you find out he's smart enough to get there and retain that information, here's what it, there's a big carryover by being one of those guys that's able to do that and also being one of those guys that in two or three years is significantly better at all of it than he was today when, he start, when you first got yeah. him. Smart players get better. Dumb players are the same guy in 10 years as they were the day you drafted them. Smart guys get better. And that's, as you've seen, we go on and on about the player development aspect of this organization. It starts with the guys they grab in the draft and in free agency. And we've seen it time and time and time again under Brandon Bean and that personnel department. We have to take a break here, but when we come back, the Penguin will be joining us. Defensive tackle Tim Settle coming your way next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker here at Bills Training Camp at St. John Fisher. Pleased to be joined now. By one of your newest defensive tackles, number 99 in your program, number one in your heart, it is Tim Settle. <laughs> and number uh, one in your mind. Number there one in go. your mind, too. Okay. Okay. We'll Thanks go that way. Uh, here's the thing. Here's the deal. Since you came on with us today, I'm going to pump your tires on the broadcast <laughs> of the game. I'm doing the TV side of the preseason game. So if you even take a snap, I'm going to talk about you for five minutes. Yeah. Right. Like your right. God's gift I to love the defensive that. tackle you are, position. You are the savior of our franchise. Here we go. <laughs> so Thanks, man. So riddle me this, Tim. Um you know, I everybody's all excited about Vaughn, and I understand why it's going to help the pass rush. And people are all excited uh, about the additions on offense and the draft picks. And somebody asked me, "What are you excited about?" I said, "I'm excited about the big boys in the middle on the defensive line, which obviously includes you, Jordan. We already know about because he's been here before, and Daquan, who is very difficult to move, much like yourself." How pumped are you about what you three guys are going to be in there with Ed? Because I'm about, I mean, look, I didn't play the game. I'm a soccer guy, but um, you guys are going to cause problems. Like, I don't know who's running on you guys, but there ain't many. Well, this, this is what, this is my thought on it. You know, you got a bunch of guys that's, that's more experienced. You know, this is an experienced line. You know, mm-hmm. you, got, you got the young, you got the live, and everybody's just confident. You know, once you, you got guys that's been playing for a long time. You know, the confidence shows it, it, it's not only me. You know, I, I just show up more, but 
everybody's a big kid, man. Right. Everybody's everybody's and you would think everybody's twenty one. And you know, that's this 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 D line, this inside, you know, uh I, I'd have been around some great ones, but you know, as far as experience, you know, I'm still learning. I'm, I'm learning from these guys every day. You know, they're teaching. You know, and I, you know, even if I could correct them on anything, it's just we we want to we all set a goal and we all want to achieve and we all want to just do great. Right. Most of, most people don't think about this. You know, they see you on the field and they think it's all great. You guys, and they they know you practice and all that. But one of the things that's really fun to think about if you're a regular fan, think about Tim Settle and Daquan Jones and Ed Oliver. Um, all these, these big guys, Vaughn, all, all sitting in one small room with a coach watching film and, and being, you know, being close enough buddies that you can bust each other hard all the time. It's an atmosphere that's really unique and it's a lot of fun to be a part of. But that's a tough room to come in. You got to have some thick skin to be in that room. Am I right? And oh, yeah. give us an idea of what that room's like these days. Oh yeah, you know, even with Ed, you know, Ed, he pops it off sometimes. You know, uh, however he's feeling, <laughs> you know, he might come in there, he might be a loud one that day. But right. uh, you know, uh, it's it's funny too. We, we was in the room and I had leaned back. I broke one of our chairs. <laughs> <laughs> hey, a lot of chair breaking in. There. Everybody looked back at me. I didn't care. Yeah, I don't care. I'm big. How yeah. how cool is it to kind of? be back on the same side of the ball as Tremaine. You guys crossed over a couple. You were teammates for what, two seasons or three? Uh, we were teammates for two seasons. Two we, seasons. We, we, we were Va together Tech. for three, yep. Yeah, so, I mean, I know he wasn't calling the defense at Va Tech. He was kind of closer up on the line sometimes, playing outside. What's it like to kind of be lining up with Tremaine again? That's got to be cool. It was amazing. You know, I feel like uh, playing with him, you know, I, I got eyes in the back of my head. You know, uh, <laughs> how we how we played it at Virginia Tech, I had everything inside here, every, everything outside, and now I got everything inside. He got everything outside. And if he don't got it outside, I'm coming outside. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, uh, but, you know, it's, it's, you got the same guys. You know, we're just uh, older and we faster, stronger, smarter. You know, and uh, I can't wait to play with him. And I can't wait to, uh, to to make things better for him. You know, even though I know they was good for him last year, but they're going to be even better there this year yeah. with me. And one of the things about the Bills that, that we've noticed sitting here watching them for years – Leslie Frazier, Sean McDermott, and those guys, they rotate you guys through a lot. There's a lot of different combinations out there. It's like a scientist with little test tubes trying, how do you work with this guy, and how does he work with these guys, and what combination is right. That goes on all through camp, and then in the regular season, they kind of get into a pattern. How's that work? With, what do you guys talk about in the room about who you like and how you work together? And, and it must be really competitive in there because you want to get more and more reps. You know, it's it's crazy. You know, uh, you know, as far as the packages and the stuff that we do, and, and certain defenses that we're in, you know, this is the versatility and the creativity that we have within another. You know, some of the, sometimes you know, coach let us just talk and uh, express how we feel about something, and you know, it's every it's free ball. So, you know, you got guys like Vaughn, you got guys like uh, Big Phil. They might tell you to do something. You, you got to have the confidence to do line up and just go go with what they got going on. You know they they've been in the league long enough. They played a lot of football. They know what, what uh, they know how to go against certain protections and stuff like that. So it's just it's crazy. You know it's just a a, a bundle of joy just being in being in with these guys and, and just seeing just a, everybody opening their minds and being able to express towards everybody. You know like any anybody can express something and we all will go through it. So right. walk me through your free agency process. Uh, what. Sold you on Buffalo. How much were you in Tremaine's ear to get a lay of the land here to know what you'd be walking into if you signed with Buffalo? Just walk us through that free agency process. <laughs> it was really quick, you know, for me. Uh, as soon as the tampering, uh, tampering period came, you know, 
it it was within like I remember I wasn't worried about it until like I was worried about tomorrow. You know, the temper period is temper period. But my agent contacted me. He was like, "Yo, Buffalo is interested." I was like, "Oh my goodness!" And uh, I remember I had a flashback. It was fifty something. Uh, I don't know the score, but uh, you know, I I seen that they had an amazing quarterback. You know, and I seen the situation that they're in, and you know, I seen that they were building towards something great. You know, I wanted to be a part of it. You know, uh, it wasn't hard for me to pick. You know, it wasn't hard for my family to to agree with 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 the decision. And you know, uh, and I'm, I'm beyond ecstatic and I'm beyond excited to be here. Did you talk? Were you talking about the game between Washington and Buffalo last yeah. year? So what what were your impressions being on the other sideline last year of that team? I was like, I hope they stop scoring. <laughs> You're not hoping that now. You nah, hope hey, you can't scoring. beat them. You join them. You're me. <laughs> all right, for me, you were you were part of the in Washington last year. You had all those number one picks. You had a lot of high expectations, and and the whole group, the the team was you know disappointing. Now certainly Fitzpatrick going down and the offense, you know, going under, it didn't help things. What when you you, you transpose what you went through last year with that crew, and this year with what it looks like coming down the pipe. And I know last year they, there was high expectations. You thought it was going to be great. What, you know, you know, compare and contrast this room and this defense, this philosophy, and what's going on here in Buffalo with a year ago. Um, you know, it's just, uh, you know, it's, I learned a lot in, in Washington that, uh, you know, opportunity, whenever you get it, you got to take advantage of it. Seize it, you know, uh, no matter how much time you play, no matter what, you know, uh, I kind of got the pattern that I wasn't playing that much. I didn't, it didn't bother me. I just said, however I'm going to make a play, I'll make a play. You know, uh, now you come here, it's, it's who's going to eat. You know, it's, uh, everybody's, we're going to put this out here, who's going to eat. You know, and we, it's going to be a frenzy and we're going to have fun. Yeah. Uh, I need a fist bump for you because I got one for you because you appreciate simple goodness. Vanilla bean is your favorite ice cream flavor. <laughs> and there is something to be said about simple goodness, and that's what vanilla bean is. Do you, now, how crazy do you get with toppings on ice cream? Uh, I, I'm going I'm to I'm keep it real basic and simple. You know, okay. I, I don't want a lot of things throwing me off. I'm trying to get straight to the point. You know, I, I want to taste the vanilla <laughs> bean. I'm not trying to taste no M&Ms and no Oreo. Yeah, 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 I got you. I might put a little chocolate yeah, syrup chocolate on there. Chocolate syrup, right. Oh, you or, are, hey, you are speaking my sugar, language. Hey, give me a sugar cone. And I'll just have yep. vanilla bean ice yeah. cream like that. One of right, McDonald's sir, I, you, I know people in the ice cream business. I got some yeah. stuff for you. It'll be good. It okay. might change your mind a little change, bit. He might no, change it, your mind just, a little bit. Just as a as a change up, no quite. But yeah, I'm with you. I've I've always been a vanilla a vanilla guy. And maybe with And not some, French vanilla. Not yeah. Give me a vanilla just vanilla bean. Yeah. Give me the vanilla thing. There is yeah, a difference. Awesome. Tim yeah. settled. Awesome. That's good. Um, that's good. I like where your head's at. I saw that you're Dream vacation is St. Lucia. Have you gotten down there yet? I've been there before. I, yeah, I remember too. I went on a cruise and I. Um, oh, so you just popped in yeah, on a stop. And I, I went there too. Yeah. We went to a black sand beach. Black sand beach. It was amazing. Beach. It had a bar there. It had a hotel yep, in the mountains. Yep. And it was just like, you know, like when you're a kid, like when I get enough money or when I get older, I want to come back here. Yeah. And I want to go back. Yeah, we went. We went. We were fortunate enough to go for a week. And they have those two big peaks there, those wow. two little mountaintops. Um, it's it's island living, man. You yeah. would, I think you would love it. If that's kind of your speed, like yeah. Caribbean islands and stuff, yeah, you should go back and hit it. They got those freshwater waterfalls on yeah. the island. And it's they got beautiful. the clear water, too. It's beautiful. I love the clear yeah, water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, You'll one, really like it. Last one for me about this week coming up. What have you been told, if anything, what's the vibe coming up in, coming into Indianapolis this Saturday, 4 o'clock game? What's, you know, have they even started to talk about the run-up to that and what it's going to be like? We'll get into it. You know, uh, everybody's ready, you know, especially the rookies, the young guys. You know, it's their first time in action. I'm excited for them, too, as well. 
you know, uh, we're gonna do we're gonna do our thing, you know, the older guys. But you know, it's it's all about getting after. You know, uh, we're looking forward to going against somebody in a different jersey. You know, to kind of open right. it up a little bit. It's just gonna be kind of like the prelim for us as well. So, I'm looking forward to getting my hands on somebody else. Yes, yeah. for an event like yourself, what do you just kind of want to come out of? preseason with you just want to knock the rust off is that or what do you because i mean you've been through this before you know what to expect so what are you looking to accomplish with your individual game between now and week one uh i i know i'm all about progression i'm a progression type guy you know i want to make sure my hands and my feet are are, are with me and you know i mean i want to make sure i'm shutting off and i'm getting to the ball you know even if i don't make any tackles that's fine i'm gonna show great effort i just want to get after it you know uh you can't determine how football game is but you can definitely give it your all all right, yeah. Tim. Listen, thanks for the time. We Great appreciate you stopping appreciate by. Stopping by, And we'll man. see you back at One Bill's Stay Drive soon yes, enough, all right? Yes, Stay one piece, Saturday. big man. I got you. I will. Thank That's you so Tim much. Tim Settle joining us here on One Bill's Live. He's got to get to the locker room, man. It's shower time. We'll be back in a moment. We'll see you in a second. Stay tuned. Kids Day returns to Highmark Stadium as the Bills host the Broncos for their preseason matchup on August 20th, presented by Fisher-Price. The Fisher-Price Junior Tailgate kicks off at 9 a.m. in Lot 6, bigger than ever, featuring a Power Wheels track, giant inflatables, a real fire truck games, and more. Also, a limited quantity of Bills wristbands will be given out as a gate giveaway and special concessions available this year including popcorn, ice cream, cotton candy, snow cones, root beer floats, and a kid's lunch deal featuring a hot dog, chips, and a Capri Sun. Mobile ticketing as usual. Visit buffalobills.com Kids Day for more info. There is some news concerning the Bills' preseason opener against the Colts. Colts head coach Frank Reich said Matt Ryan will play up to a full quarter in Saturday's preseason opener. A big change from how the Colts have treated the preseason the last few years. That's according to Colts beat reporter Zach Kiefer out in Indianapolis. And I wonder what the Bills will decide to do with their starting unit. I would anticipate they play some. A full quarter, though? They've never shied away. I don't think the Bills have ever shied away from that, though. Yeah. You think about in 2000, uh, was it 19, 2020, the last week of the season, the regular season, when they had it all sewn up. And the last thing, you know, I mean, you actually do have a trip to the Super Bowl in mind. Josh Allen played a full half, a game they didn't need. Yeah. Um, and with a new offensive coordinator, yeah, I think they'll probably play him a little bit. Don't you? I would. Yes. I I don't know if. I think they give him a quarter, a couple you of You think, series. yeah? Yeah. Yeah. The the playing time has shifted since it's moved back to three preseason, preseason games from four. Right. So the math is a little bit different now for coaches around the league. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what the playing time looks like. We talked to Leslie Frazier today, and he said some of those final decisions on playing time for certain people, certain units, is going to be ironed out today and tomorrow by the coaching staff. So we'll just have to wait and see what comes of it for Saturday's game. Steve, the NFL power rankings from NFL.com's Dan Hanzus is out. And you'll be happy to know the Bills are ranked number one. Ranked number two, Steve. You want to throw out a guess? I would say Chiefs. It is the Rams. Yeah, okay. 
So the season opener is going to feature the number one and two power-ranked teams, according to Dan Hanzus of NFL.com. Here's what he says about the Rams. Rams coach Sean McVay said he'd sleep better after he watched Matthew Stafford throw without limitations on Saturday, a positive sign that the quarterback's unusual elbow issue can be effectively managed ahead of week one and beyond. The defending champs seem to have less uncertainty around Allen Robinson, who has opened eyes during training camp. So the reporters out there have lost count of how many people connected to the Rams have raved about the wide receiver. They feel safe taking the ride on the hype machine. They did suffer some losses on the defensive side of the ball. They lost defensive tackle Sebastian Joseph Day. He went and signed with the Chargers across the street. Mm -hmm. They lost Von Miller, as we know. They did add Bobby Wagner at the linebacker level. That's a nice add for them. Yes. Um, Even as a 10-year veteran. But I wonder, you know, if they'll suffer it all up front after losing Von and one of their starting DTs. They may have young guys Aaron, ready to assume with roles. Aaron Donald up there. With the, I know. I, I don't know. I don't. Think they still that, have Robert Quinn, I believe. Yeah, so. I, I think they're going to be fine. Certainly they may feel like it's not as easy as it was last year, but I still think they're going to be really productive. And right. as we know, OB, no OBJ either as right. of right now. So they're going to look a little different, I think. And it makes you wonder. And it's funny because you think about the team that's going to be on the losing end of that game in week one. Their fans are going to be throwing their hands up like Chicken Little thinking the sky is falling. In the grand scheme of things, it's one out of 17 games. Right. Like, whichever team loses that game, I think the vast majority of people still expect whichever the loser of that game is to be in the playoffs, right? Right. So don't get your underwear in a bunch after one game, I guess is what I'm saying. No matter Three whether you're a Rams fan or a Bills fan. Uh, the Bills went through that last year. They dropped a game opening well, day to the Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh Steelers. and. And, you know, they went on to, you know, have a shot late in the season at everything their hopes and dreams and their desires were all okay. You're right. Uh, It's not going to be indicative. Uh, I know this. That team last year, the Bills team last year, was every bit as good and every bit as bad, whatever you want to say it, as the 2020 team. And I've told you this, Brownie, the 2020 team who went to the AFC championship game in Kansas City and lost – was just as good as this team the Bills had last year that went to the division round in Kansas City and lost. The difference was the way they looked in that game in Kansas City where it went to overtime and and they scored with 13 seconds to go and they still somehow they got to let them off the hook, all that stuff. The, the excitement and the, the buzz surrounding that game stuck with this team, this Bills team, all the way through the offseason, just like – the AFC Championship game two years ago, they lost by two touchdowns in a game where they played their worst game of the season, literally played their worst game of the season in that game against the Chiefs. The Chiefs played their best game of the season. They beat them by two touchdowns. And people, that really uh, blunted the outlook coming up. What I'm saying is everybody, me, you, the general public, public opinion is all about the moment. And the, the moment the Bills are still living in is that 13-second loss to the Kansas City Chiefs eight months ago. <laughs> so a lot of things have changed. Yeah. A lot of things have changed. So, and I think the, the Rams are sitting in that same boat. We don't know who these guys are going to be. Right. We don't know who the Rams are going to be. And so you just got to wait and find out. But I know this. 
They're going to, the Bills are going to be good. They're going to be really good. And what that looks like, a good football team with their schedule and their challenge is going to look like, I'm not quite sure. I know this. This is, this is going to, a team's going to go to the playoffs, and they're, they're going to, I think they're going to win this division, and they're going to have a shot at the Super Bowl again. There is good news out of Rams camp. Van Jefferson started uh, working his way into the practice setting again. He's you know doing wide receiver type things. There was some doubt that he may not be ready for the season opener. That is still up in the air, but they're calling that an encouraging sign going forward as we're still just under a month from the season opener. We have to take a break here because when we come back, it's CBS Sports sideline reporter extraordinaire, one Evan Washburn, joining us. So we'll uh, talk to him. He's been to a bunch of different training camps, including Bill's camp here today. So we catch up with Evan next here on One Bill's Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bill's Radio. who has been all over the field. Kind of unique. He was kind of a dual-role player for you. Steve! Steve! A blimp? (laughs) We're not even in the stratosphere of normalcy. All right, here we are. Hour number two, One Bills Live at Bills Training Camp, St. John Fisher University. Pleased to be joined here in hour number two by NFL on CBS sideline reporter, Evan Washburn, who took in Bill's practice today and has been running the gamut of training camps. You might have, you might be up there with the other national guys for number of camps hit here in the last couple of weeks. Are you okay? You're a little road-weary yet? Or? Yeah, well, I don't know if you guys know, we do have a power rankings, a standings, oh. if you will, where <laughs> okay. your, your ratings determined by mileage and access. Oh, uh, i got to check the link so for that. We'll, I want to see where I'll it's... send it to you guys afterwards. Yeah, where, oh. are, you, where are you at on the list? <laughs> you got to be in the top three, I think. 11 you know, camps, it, that's a lot for now. This is year eight of the tour, so I feel like I, as long as I'm getting a little bit be- better each right. day, right? There you that's go. the cliche. <laughs> or each year, um, a little bit of I'm making some progress. No, it's, it's been... And it's awesome. Yeah, it, it's a it's a grind in a lot of ways because you're doing for me it's eleven teams in fourteen days. Yeah, that's a lot. And because of what happened in the AFC West this off season, and then just you know what what they have out west with the Rams, Super Bowl champs, we found ourselves having to go out west twice and then hit Miami. So those trips were uh, a little right. you know challenging from grueling, a yeah. from a flight standpoint. But I just I find this time of year so important. We were talking about it earlier, just in understanding the foundation of these teams. You're not going to be able to have, in my opinion, as somebody coming in for a day, a strong opinion, or you shouldn't, on what a team's going to be or is, because right. who knows? They could be working on something where right. the defense is in a vulnerable spot. But I do think, as I was saying to, to Josh Allen earlier today, you get a good vibe on teams. It's like the vibe check. What's the vibe here? And um, that, that's been, I think, a valuable and fun process. Yeah, it gets you get an idea of where they're coming, how they ended last season, what they've done in the off season, how it's coming together, and what their plan is going forward. You get a little snapshot of that right where it stands. In this, in like today, next to the last day of training camp here at St. John Fisher, you get an idea of how far they've come. Is it going according to plan? Have they had to adjust already? Are there some guys who are like, ooh, I yeah. thought that guy was going to be better, or? Wow, we've got some guys flashing. I told you about our, the draft class Brownie and I've been raving about. Uh, give us your sense of the vibe here. What's it? How's it do? Like, how's it like here? 
and give us an idea of how it fits into some of the other camps you've seen? Well, I would say that the vibes in probably the as positive a realm as you can be just based off of who you have leading the offense, leading the team in general, you know, kind of that message that – that, that starts with Sean, with Brandon as well, and it kind of seems to trickle down. And then when your A-lister, your star, seems to embrace the fans here, the fact that it's still the dog days of camp, but they're out there having fun. I mean, even guys on our crew that are kind of seeing the Bills for the first time in person, like, man, Josh Allen, he's having fun. He seems to be having fun. And this is what, you know, day 12 of camp. And yeah. that, to still be bringing it to me is indicative of – the confidence, the belief, and uh, the energy that a team has going into the season. And then, I mean, I, I think the the fact that, and you brought it up, but the, the defense and, and the story of what that side of the ball could be uh, probably isn't being talked about enough with this team. Yeah. And then, you know, Miami, which I think is going to be the most formidable opponent for the Bills in the division this year, uh, primarily because of their defense. And then if their offense comes along, maybe they might have something there. What do you feel are their expectations, their approach to 2022? Because I know they felt they probably should have been in the playoffs last year, won eight of their last nine, as you know. And now with what they've added, chiefly with Tyreek Hill, I, I think they they see themselves as a get-over-the-hump team this year, right? Like, I would think that's the, that's the goal. I will say there's – and I'm trying to think back to recent years, obviously before Josh got here – that vibe in camp when there's a quarterback that's under the microscope, it, it seems to change the complete tenor of at least the coverage and, yeah. the, and the vibe. The vibe I got in Miami yeah. was they are watching, and by they, mostly those of us that are covering the team, everything Tua does. I mean, every throw is under the microscope. They're charting seven-on-seven, oh, seven, the completion pre- uh, percentages. I remember uh, those the, days. the team periods. <laughs> and that kind of swallows up the energy in terms of, of what you're getting out of that team. Now, catching up with Mike McDaniel for the first time briefly, you can tell this guy sees the game in a unique way, is very comfortable in his own skin, has an authentic personality. Guys seem to really respond to it. And they have a threat in Tyreek Hill that changes every game and every defense that has to face him. So while all the, the eyes and discussion – start and seem to end right now with Tua and what he looks like, what he's going to look like. I think, to your point, they have the luxury of a solid defense, a strong defense, continuity on the staff. They kept that staff. Yeah, the defensive Josh Boyer, staff, right. defensive coordinator, um, remains. And then they have Tyreek Hill, who can cover up so much, and Jalen Waddle as well. I mean, speed is going to be the theme when you face Miami. When you've gone out to the other camps, give us an idea. Because you said it. You're right. I, I see Josh, too, and he's out there day whatever 11th practice of training camp or whatever it is and just still seems fresh yes you know what i'm saying and like not emotionally fresh like everybody's tired all that but no he seems like it's day one he's mm-hmm. ready to go, wow this is fun you know yeah uh give us your thoughts and you covered a ton of games from the sidelines you watch the sidelines and how those guys what what kind of difference does the personality of any given quarterback, like a Pat, because Mahomes is great, mm-hmm. but he's not Josh, and Josh isn't Mahomes, and Josh isn't Aaron Rodgers, and Rodgers isn't Brady. How do you see the personality of that guy manifest itself throughout the roster? When you're when you're standing there on game day and you're watching the, the sidelines, 
I, I get a, you get a feel for how it because it does affect everybody. A hundred percent. And and Steve, I think you you really sense it in those moments. And if you've been around it long enough, even if you didn't play, you know the moments in a game where you need that guy to right. be that guy. Now I will say. The number one thing I've been told and I've, I've also sensed from being on those sidelines and close to those moments and those players, you have to be you because nobody is right. better at sniffing out fake than professional athletes and I would say especially football players. So if it's not coming from a place of authenticity, leave it at home. But I will add that if you don't bring it in those moments as a quarterback – I think you are not necessarily completing the full requirements of the job because as much as it is about the throws, knowing the scheme, commanding the offense, you have to be able to rally a group in those moments where they're on the ropes, if you will. And I think Josh has proven to be able to do that, the guys you mentioned. And that's where I see Joe Burrow showed me a lot last sure. year in moments, both regular season and postseason, to have that in them. I think that's a, that's a trait that probably doesn't get, you know, valued enough. You, all right, you're not, I haven't seen you since we were doing the sidelines of the New England Bills game, the yeah. freezing cold game, playoff <laughs> game. Where, all right, so we saw that game. It was a perfect game by Buffalo. It was unbelievable. Um, and we had this conversation earlier today. We should recount it now because I think it's really interesting. Ken Dorsey takes over this offense. And I told you, what happens if he hits a home run? Yeah. Is it going to look the same as it did in the New England and Kansas City games at the end of last year? What credit is that? To, you know what I'm saying? If he hits a home run, it's going to look the same. It, I don't know if they can. They can't play better than they played better than they were playing at the end of last year. What are your thoughts on Ken Dorsey taking over? What it's going to look like? All of that. Sure, it, it's the most intriguing storyline right. I imagine for those of you that are covering this team on a day-to-day -day basis, and for those of us parachuting in as we get ready for this season. And I thought it was a great point on on. From, from your perspective, and I think the way I could best frame it is the standard is it, it, there's no ability to achieve, you know, success if you're valuing it as being better than what Brian did or what this right. offense did. The standard is I think success is matching the standard. Mm -hmm. And also I, I've thought about it more and then you know, catching up with Josh after, after practice. I think it's also – Ken being comfortable doing it his way and, and hearing from players on that side of the ball that, you know, whether the, the numbers match up exactly in the results, obviously they want them to be the same. But if there's a, a sense of, well, Ken's doing his thing, you know, you know, right or wrong, he's doing his thing. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't waver in those moments, those pivotal moments in a game, or they, they have a down performance and then there's a, a response as a group. Mm -hmm. I think that's going to be where, if I was to evaluate yeah. Ken Dorsey, it would be how do you manage the inevitable waves, ups and downs right. of a season, not so much matching up, okay, here's the passing offense with Dable, you know, and, right. and playing the numbers game. Because I, I think that that's, you know, that's fleeting. Right. I know that, you know, you're Baltimore-based. You got into yeah. Ravens camp. You spoke to Lamar Jackson recently. He's a guy that he and his mom represent themselves mm -hmm. when it comes to contract negotiations. It hasn't happened yet. It doesn't have any kind, at least on the outside, it doesn't appear to have any kind of acrimony similar to what we witnessed with Kyler Murray and the Cardinals, you know, scrubbing his social media and God knows what else. It's, there's none of that here. So 
from the outside, it looks like it reduces the urgency. But the bottom line is this guy is taking a risk every time he steps out onto the field without that long-term contract security. So where is he on that personally? To me, I, so I've been covering the league. This will be year nine. I've been around it for a little over 10 years. I've never seen anything like this from a quarterback perspective, a contract perspective, when you think about where the money has gotten mm-hmm. in terms of what these guys are commanding, where he falls in the pecking order as a former MVP and a guy who, at 25, the Ravens have completely invested their organization and their style of offense in right. for there to be – no real clarity on what the parameters, what the desires in terms of length, money are. That's a testament to, look, the Ravens are able to keep things in-house, I would say, as good if not better than anybody. Like nobody knew about the Marquise Hollywood Brown trade, right. and that was in the works for a while. So that, that's a good evidence to, you know, it may seem like, well, why aren't they doing anything? They could be doing a lot, and we just have no idea. Right. Um, I, I would say, and then the, the other layer to it, um, and this is part of the, you know, conversation I had with Lamar yesterday and and just getting to know him as best you can in our position over the last few years he does things his way and he whether those on the outside agree with it they have their opinion that's kind of how this thing works he doesn't waver and so I I think you have to you have to back and and respect that aspect to it but I, I I tend to agree with those that man it's it's a ton of money that you would imagine is being offered or, you know, in the ballpark and coming off the year that he had both health and performance wise, why you wouldn't want to try and lock that down before you head into this pivotal year. Because the other thing and the last thing I'll say on it is as much as we've seen quarterbacks, even if you're not necessarily proven to be great elite getting paid, we also now have evidence of a guy like Baker Mayfield who went from somebody who was probably in that conversation that Lamar is in right now of what he commanded and was maybe being even offered a few years ago to where he is now, to me would give me a lot of pause as a young quarterback because what teams, how quickly they can shift from thinking, all right, let's pay this guy because we think we can do it with them to, no, let's move on and let's try and find somebody that can compete with Josh and Patrick Mahomes. That would make me nervous. And you look back across history, even the Baltimore Ravens themselves, they've been through that. Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl against – the 49ers in New Orleans on a year when he was betting yeah. on himself. He ended up being the highest-paid quarterback in the league. Back then, 10 years ago, it was $27 million a year. And, of course, it's gone up exponentially. But he bet on himself and won. And it's happened other places as well. But you're right. It is difficult to walk that tightrope. But I, we, we had this conversation. I, 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 we, you tip your hat to the Baltimore Ravens. They are all in. Mm-hmm. And they are doing it different than 31 other teams in the National Football League. They go heavy, they go big, they run the football all the time, a lot, and ask the passing game to complement the running game, not the running game to do the opposite. If Lamar, is it a bit is less of a risk for Lamar to do it this way because he is that unicorn guy and they can't do anything else at this point. They can't go into the season and become something different if Lamar is not there. I agree with you, and I think from being there yesterday, talking to folks in and around that team, he had an offseason that stands out from his previous offseasons. We've seen the physical transformation. He's put on weight. He's working with Tom House and his group out in L.A. in terms of quarterback coaching to 
really dial in on. You can tell, I would say, that he has a different mentality heading into this year, which makes sense based off of the disappointment of a season ago. So maybe he's looking at a Joe Flacco-type situation. I know that's been presented as an idea. Now, I will say they built the the team, and, and, you know, Lamar's in a different stratosphere, but, like, they have a backup there too, Tyler Huntley, that, that drew a lot of attention too for being able to run that offense as well. The results weren't there, um, but I, I don't pin all, all that on Tyler Huntley. So, look, it's, it's, a, it's a fascinating situation. There is still a month of, of training camp or preseason, if you will, and I think that is a lot of time right. where this could get done. Uh, but it's definitely a, a wait and see, and, and we're waiting and seeing in, in the dark, which is rare in this, this time yeah. in media where we seem to know – what your study habits are, yeah, at least right. what a contract yeah. might dictate your study habits <laughs> to right. be. Yeah, I mean, something usually leaks, but maybe with the Ravens it just flat out doesn't. I mean, as you pointed out, it didn't with Marquise Hollywood Brown until the 11th hour, and who knows, maybe he signs an extension next week at this time. I, I mean, I've really thought about it where it could happen. I mean, we were yeah. doing stuff yesterday and taping things. Sometimes you're getting a day ahead in terms of content or coverage. I wouldn't – yeah, it could pop up at any moment. Right. The only thing is, because you, you made me think about this when you were talking about it, with all of this time that he's invested in rounding his game into a more complete skill set, whether it's being more accurate outside the numbers where, <laughs> I mean, as little as a year or so ago, teams would dare him to throw outside the mm-hmm. numbers because he wasn't as good as doing as he was throwing in between the numbers. Is he working on all these things to prove to the Ravens almost that he's a more valuable quarterback than maybe even they think he is, and he wants to show it on the field, prove it, blah, 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 and then cash in with $50 million by the time we get to next offseason? It's a risk, yeah. but I I wonder if he's even given that thought in light of all that investment that you're talking about that he's done this offseason. I think it's all on the table, and and the funny side, there's the, the front office, the financials, of it and then there's the coaching staff where they love that idea yeah Yeah. i mean be the best version you've ever been and we're going to be a different team and i will say they've done things most notably trying and attempting to fix the offensive line because as much as lamar at times to your point struggled throwing outside the numbers he was seeing a a version of defense and rush that he didn't see when Marshall Yonda was sitting yeah. in that and interior. Ronnie Stanley that line. was healthy. And Ronnie Stanley was like, he was peeking around and he was having to, you know, try and find guys and, and that was impacting his ability to do everything else. When um we're we're gonna probably see an awful lot of you this season, I hope right? So, right? I mean yeah. it's looking like the Bills are gonna be a pretty top attraction for CBS as a network this year, so being the featured game is probably something we're going to hear a lot of for Buffalo, which means we'll probably see a good deal of you, right? Like That's the goal. I mean, the way it, it – I'm still learning. Uh, year nine, maybe Steve can, can speak to it. <laughs> maybe he figured it out over all his time uh, there, how games and assignments and regional and, and markets go. But I, I usually play the game of, okay, at 1 o'clock, what's the best game? Especially at a right. doubleheader window because that's when Jim, Tony, and Tracy will, will hit that 425 game and we'll hit that big 1 o'clock game. And for a number of years, it was whenever New England wasn't in a 4 o'clock window, we'd be in New England or we'd see them on the road. And I, I feel like heading into this year, now the AFC West throws some wrinkles because yep. they're yeah, must-see TV as yeah. well. But uh, when the Bills are in that 1 o'clock window, it's definitely it, it's on my radar. So I look at week three, maybe week four in Baltimore. We, yep. can, we can revisit right. the Lamar conversation then. And uh, – I, I'm, I'm excited because the 
the home atmosphere is is one um, that that you just can't beat. Last one for me. Let's let's talk one thing about one other AFC team, the team that got to the Super Bowl last year and out of you know like lightning bolt out sure. of the blue, basically, right? And uh, Joe Burrow, who emerged onto the scene, carried that team behind a poor offensive line, got through the playoffs, played great. What do you see from them? Can they keep it going? Because notoriously, they've been able to catch lightning in a bottle once in a while, and then they go. It goes away quickly. Uh, do you see them being able to maintain that, that level of play as they did at the end of last Steve, year? Steve, I think it's for real, yeah, man. Okay. I, I really do. Uh, again, you don't put too much into one visit. Joe Burrow had his appendix removed right. a few weeks ago. <laughs> he was actually – it was the first day we was actually touching a football. We were out there on Monday at practice. But just getting a look at – and reminding yourself that they have Jamar Chase. T. Higgins emerged as mm-hmm. a real – quality you know one on most teams Tyler Boyd is mm-hmm. is effective Hayden Hurst I think adds a nice layer at that tight end position you mentioned the line they they fixed it man I mean at least on paper I mean mm-hmm. they they br- bring in Ted Karras at right. that center position Alex Kappa from Tampa they get Lyle Collins late right. after they released him I mean so that's whole side of the line just seemingly covered up and the defense was as big a part of the story down the stretch, and they bring everybody back. So it, it reminds me in a lot of ways the discussion around Buffalo a year ago where they have the continuity, and then they make right. a couple key additions right. and, and maybe patch, patch up an area here or there. I think, I mean, right now I have Cincy as, as the class of that division until proven otherwise by either Baltimore or Pittsburgh, and then obviously Cleveland is kind of the biggest mystery right, of all. Right. Yeah. Well, we appreciate the time, Evan. Of course, always. Glad you stopped yeah. by here while you were here at Bill's <laughs> training camp. I'm sure we'll see you down the road an awful lot if what we believe will happen happens for you guys over at CBS. So we look forward to seeing you during the regular season. Yeah. All right. Safe travels to you. Thanks. Always fun to be with you guys. All right. That's CB- NFL on CBS. Sideline reporter Evan Washburn joining us here. Steve and I take a break. But when we come back, little NFL true-false for you. Stay tuned. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. And one guy that has been getting an awful lot of reps in the absence of Jordan Poyer, who remains out with a hyperextended elbow, is fourth-year safety Jaquan Johnson. Jaquan addressed the media after practice today. We want to bring some of his comments to you. So here is Jaquan Johnson. How have you enjoyed getting all these additional reps because of what's been going on back there? Uh, I've enjoyed it, you know, taking advantage of my opportunities, uh, just uh, communicating the defense and uh, moving well with the one. So it's been good for me. We asked Leslie about it today, about you know, this is your fourth year, and it's got to be hard for you to have never really gotten that chance to play defense. How have you been able to, you know, kind of persevere and just kind of keep pushing forward? Uh, pretty much just doing my job, you know, every day playing my role. Uh, I've been a four-phase guy since my rookie year. That's what I've been doing, and. While I've been doing that, I've been learning the defense, uh, talking to the older guys, making sure that uh, when I do go out there, uh, we don't, I don't miss a beat. So that's basically what I've been doing for the last four years uh, and taking advantage of whatever opportunity I'm given. Frustrating for you? I mean, you, all your life you've been the guy, right? Uh, come here and, and be the backup who can't get ahead of those, those two all-pro you know, pro bowl safeties. Right. Uh, not frustrating at all. 
because uh, I know eventually I'm going to get my opportunity. And uh, when I do, I make the most of it every time. So it's not frustrating. I feel like um, I'm absorbing everything like a sponge. And uh, whenever I get that chance, I'll be ready. How has being, um, you know, behind two all-pro safeties helped you mature a little bit more quickly? I've been great. You know, those those two guys are the best uh, in the league, I think. So uh, just learning off of them every day how, how their routines are, uh, how professional they are. Uh, I've taken that and put it in my regiment, and uh, I feel like when it's my time, I'll be ready. Uh, for sure. I mean, bringing in a guy like Vaughn, we'll be able to. Quarterbacks will have to speed up their process. So uh, anytime a quarterback do that, what we do on the back end, disguising, playing tight coverage, it'll be amazing for us. It's been great. I mean, you know, those guys, they look for me uh, whenever we get motions uh, to make the checks and do things of that nature. Uh, I've been taking that challenge uh, full, full force uh, with my head high. So I think the guys are responding well to me being back there, and uh, I don't think we're missing a beat. Right, I mean, definitely. Well, you know, Poe, he, he's always been, like, a uh, strong safety, considering, like, making the checks and being in the box of that nature. So when Poe's not here, that's where I'm at. But when Mike is out, I have to play both sides. So, I mean... I have to know everything in the playbook, uh, which four years have gave me the ability to learn. So I think it's uh, beneficial for me. Yeah, of course, everything is all about attitude, uh, patience. Uh, you can't really do anything, you know, but control your attitude, your effort. Whenever you get that opportunity to make the play, you make the most of it. But don't go out there forcing anything. Don't go out there forcing anything and uh, do your job. That's it. That's all they look for me to do is do my job. And if I do that, I'm fine. Oh, yeah, Jimmy's uh, it's great. Uh, he knows the whole defense, uh, the safeties, the four younger safeties, me, myself, JT, uh, DeMar, and Nick. Uh, we all meet with them early in the morning, go over the plays uh, that we didn't get to see from meetings. So, I mean, I think Jimmy's doing a great job, and even Coach McDermott uh, chipping in whenever he sees something. So, everything's going well. What sort of things you've been able to pick up from Jordan? Like, what do you mean? Just like technique-wise, things that they've helped you out with, communication, Oh, yeah, uh, definitely. Those guys, they're real detailed uh, with their work. So I, I say that's the biggest thing, like being detail-oriented, uh, not making uh, mistakes. When I have to make the check, I make the check. Being in my right spot, stuff like that, seeing, seeing them do the little things because when you do the little things, that's when you make the big things happen. Well, what goes into being a personal protector? What's that like? Tell us, bring us into that. What is, what is that? I mean, you know, personal protector is uh, pretty much like the center. Of, a, of of an offense, so I have to uh, make sure that everyone's uh, blocking the right man, uh, making sure I make the right checks to get the center to go the right way, and uh, if anything happens, I have to be able to uh, make adjustments on the fly. So I mean, pretty much I'm the last line of defense. Once they pass me, as a block punt, so uh, 
that's basically what that's, that's like. You go back to like last year opening game, Pittsburgh has the block punt. Did you see teams trying to do different things against you guys because of that, because of the response and seeing how you react? Definitely. Uh, we had a lot of teams uh, try the same rush that the Steelers did. Uh, wasn't successful uh, for, the, for the other teams. The Steelers, they got one on us. Uh, this year will be totally different. We're ready uh, putting those type of rushes in our practices, and uh, we're getting used to those already. Uh, just doing my job. Uh, I'm not forcing anything. I want to go out there, have perfect communication. Uh, when a play is there to be made, I make the play. Uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, preseason games are going to be amazing for us. All right, that's Jaquan Johnson addressing the media after practice today and is certainly loving all the extra reps he's getting on the defensive side of the ball with Jordan Poyer still sidelined with that hyperextended elbow. Leslie Frazier was telling us today that, yes, it can be tough for a player who's entering his fourth season and believes he's good enough to play on defense in this league to have to wait his turn that long. It's a long time to wait. Like, you think about other guys from his draft class. I mean, you're talking Dawson Knox. I mean, he's been on the offense on the field for the better part of almost three full seasons. And here's Jaquan still waiting you know, I mean, he's had a couple of games played on defense here and there, but, man, that's a long it's, time to it's wait. It's easier to wait, though, when the guys ahead of you are playing so well and the game is, and okay. the team is playing so well. Um, but, yeah, sooner or later you want your chance. But even, in, you know, if you've got a sense of self-awareness, any sense of self-awareness, and you know why you're not playing and they are, what are you going to do? Most well, I'm just thinking that an NFL career is only so long. Well, I get it. I mean, the average NFL career is three and a half years. He's in year four now. Because he hasn't played, he's probably not going to cash in big time on a second contract because he hasn't been able to prove it on the field. So he's already behind in terms yeah. of career earnings. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. You, you, can't, you don't hit a financial home run now, certainly, though. If he plays the way he has played, he's going to get a chance to play somewhere, particularly if he becomes a free agent. Yeah. And the way that the, t- the club ha- he's played when he's got in there, the, way that the things that the club has said about him, and when he does go to a place, he's going to sign a deal that's going to be a life changer for him if he does have to leave the Buffalo Bills. If he doesn't have to leave the Buffalo Bills, he's going to step into it and he's going to make the money that the Bills want, you know, the, the role the Bills have. He's, he's in line like – I've always said, and it used to be it's true even now than it was in my day. The true, you know, holy grail of an NFL career is longevity for players. That's the, that's the holy grail. The longer you play, the better it is. So having him get it to, off to a slow start because of the great guys in front of him, if he handles that correctly, yeah. when he does get his chance, you know, he'll shine and it'll all come out all great right. in the end for him. Fair enough. We'll see how it pans you gotta out. You got to have faith for Jaquan in that, Johnson. That, that, that requires faith because you don't hard see to it. Do. You're right. Yes, especially when you see people around you making a whole lot more money than you that were in your draft class or sure. otherwise. We turn now to a little NFL True False, where we're proud to have a new sponsor for NFL True False. It's presented by Patron Tequila, the official tequila of the Buffalo Bills. Arriba, Steve. Arriba. Um, can you roll your R's? Can you do that? Arriba. Can you do that? We'll, we'll work out. Um, in any event, anyway, I like NFL true false number one. The Raiders are a dark horse to win the AFC West this season. We know it's a stacked division, 
What, do you, what say, say yeah. you? Yeah, I think they're the dark horse. The Chiefs got to be the favorite. But I think, and the Chargers are, you know, the flavor of the month with Justin Herbert. Uh-huh. Uh, but and I don't know if you can call him a dark horse because of the Devontae Adams trade. Um, but, yes, I would say they are a dark horse because I think you'd still put the Chiefs and the Chargers ahead of them, um, with, particularly with the Khalil Mack going to the Chargers, uh-huh. the Chargers roster. They got J.C. Jackson, too. Yeah, they got some guys. So I'm thinking that the Chargers would be the team – most AFC West observers would say, "Yeah, that's the team that's going to maybe give the Chiefs a run for it." So, Make yeah, jump. if you're going to be, if you're pick, getting picked to get third in that division, Devontae Adams or not, yeah, I and and I like the Raiders. I think Derek Carr is a good leader, and he's he's got the ability. So, I yeah, that's I would say true. So you got him as your third place team in that division, just ballparking them. You have him ahead of the Broncos. Yeah, because I think with Nathaniel Hackett taking over as head coach, brand new head coach. Um, even though Josh McDaniel is a, yeah, is a, a new head, head coach, coach with the Raiders, too. I just think Denver, and I think for me, the, it's no small thing. They just got sold. They're, there's new ownership in the building. Yeah. We'll have to see how that transpires. But the Broncos have been fighting to hold that window open in hopes of getting a quarterback for so long. Now Von Miller's not there. I, I just... You know, I just think they're a little stale. You know, yeah. not that I'm tired of thinking I'm waiting on them. I just, I just don't think they're they've got a roster that would support even a good quarterback, or uh, certainly in that division. I think Russell Wilson helps them, no question about it. But he he's not going to put them past Pat Mahomes and that, and Andy Reid. He's not going to put them past um, Justin Herbert yeah. and that roster in San Diego. And I like the Raiders. I, they play hard. They've got a great attitude out there. I, uh, Josh McDaniels is going to bring something to them that I don't think they've had for a while. We'll see if what kind of leader McDaniels is. But if you tra- want me to pick one or the other, yeah, I'm picking. I'm picking the Raiders over the Broncos. And in a, as a dark horse in that division, those are the only two. Yeah, I would say true as a dark horse in the division for the Raiders. But it wouldn't shock me if they're in the basement. The Broncos yeah. are a well-rounded offense. I mean, Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon in the backfield, and then Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, K.J. Hamler. I mean, even though they lost Tim Patrick, they got some talent there, and they got that draft pick, Greg Dulcich, at tight end, replacing Noah Fant. That is a group for Russell Wilson to work with. And, I mean, is their defense going to be up to snuff, playing a scheme that's different from that of former head coach Vic Fangio? I don't know. But, man, they're going to be able to keep up with people with that offensive crew for sure. So Raiders could be a last-place team. So either way, whether they're third or they're fourth, I think they're still a dark horse to win the AFC West. All right, NFL true-false number two. Baker Mayfield will lose the Panthers' starting quarterback job to Sam Darnold. That's false. Oh, my God, is it false. Baker Mayfield ain't going to lose that I mean, that we're job. not... We're not allowed to do any wagers of any kind as NFL employees, but my God, if I wasn't an NFL employee, the, what I would do to put uh, my faith behind Baker Mayfield to win that job. I mean, we've, we've talked to some people around the league, and we have it on pretty good authority that Sam Darnold really has a problem retaining information. I don't know how you can be a successful quarterback in this wow. league if you can't do that. You can't. Be, that's why, that's that's why, why he's Sam's, floundering right yes, now. Yes, that's why he struggles. Uh, he doesn't remember things from one play to the next. He's, uh, 
Yeah, Baker Mayfield's going to start games for the Carolina Panthers. We'll get an idea of how that goes. If it doesn't go, I'll say this, um, if it doesn't go well for Baker Mayfield this year, depending, not even depending on how it looks, if it doesn't go well, if they can't win games and start to get on the, on the rise, you know, Matt Rule is not going to be there. Uh, oh, this is put up or shut up year yeah, for him. They, I mean, Dave Tepper is not going to hang right. around and wait for another year with Matt Rule. That's right. It's put up or shut up for him. NFL true-false number three, Lamar Jackson is the NFL player with the most at stake in 2022. We were kind of having this conversation already with Evan Washburn. Uh, let me think. Let me just do a quick. The most at stake. Let me just do a quick runaround and look at all the teams, make sure I'm not forgetting anybody. I mean, you'd have uh, to find somebody in the final year of a contract, maybe with an injury history or a lot to lose in the form of a new contract. I'm going to say I, it's hard to come up with anybody. I mean, you, what do you? I mean, we're, are we talking other positions like Jesse any, yes, Bates? Any team. You know, who's maybe a holdout for the Bengals because he doesn't want to play on the franchise no, tag, and that's he's already, franchise tag. He's yeah. I mean, he's still making money. Well, so is Lamar. Lamar's still making money, but. Second contract money isn't there yet, so I don't know. I, yeah, I don't. I, can't I don't think, think of, there I is. I can't think of anybody who's who's under the more. So I would say true. Is. Um, I would say yeah, because it's such a huge contract. There are other players in that position that are going to play out their con- like Tremaine Edmonds here in Buffalo. There are guys like that, but you're talking about a quarterback contract, right? Forty-six, forty-seven million a year. Exactly. You're talking about a multi-multi-year. So I don't think there is anybody that's that's got more at stake than Lamar Jackson does this season. I can't think of a single person. Maybe, maybe Tua. You yeah. know what I mean? Right. But even he's not in that same conversation because he's got another year. Well, maybe not in Miami if he stinks out the joint. But yeah, well, another one, year on his contract. Yeah, he's got an, he's a year behind Lamar. So yeah, I I think Lamar is. He's got two years behind Lamar. He was the right. 20 class. That's right. Lamar was the 18 class. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, there's too much at stake. And he's got an injury history, which makes it even scarier if I was in the Lamar Jackson camp. All right, that is NFL True-False, presented by Patron Tequila, the official tequila of the Buffalo Bills. Steve and I take a break. We close it out when we come back with the extraordinary kicker depth that we had no idea about on the Bills roster. We will explain next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. And... We wanted to remind you about Sun Defense as head coach Sean McDermott wants us thinking about that. He's passionate about skin cancer prevention as it runs in his family, as he takes sun protection very seriously. Most importantly, of course, is wearing sunscreen. Right now, you can stop by your local Wegmans for all your sun protection needs. Wegmans will donate $1 for every Wegmans sunscreen product sold through August 31st in Buffalo, Rochester, and Syracuse stores. It's a great way to protect your family and help the fight against skin cancer and think Sun Defense with Bills head coach Sean McDermott. That's you had, you had a future reading for us, Steve, I did, from a fortune cookie? So we go to, Brownie and I go to lunch here, and they feed us here at training camps. We go over, and they have, they have an Asian food station, right? So we go, and there's 
fortune cookies. So we brought Jay Harris back his lunch, and we have fortune. The yeah. fortune, fortune his for, Jay's fortune today said, "We're going to do this every day. We're going to read some fortune cookie every okay. day." I've decided. All right. Uh, how about here? It is ready. It says, "Believe in your abilities. Confidence will lead you on." There you go. Your your. I feel I feel smarter already. Believe in your abilities. Confidence will lead you on. There you go. Speaking of believing in your abilities, you might ask yourself, who could back up kicker Tyler Bass on this roster? We got a sneak peek into that today at practice, right at the very end, Mm -hmm. lining up to take what was the equivalent of an extra point, a 33-yard field goal. Micah Hyde through the uprights. He was then followed by Matt Barkley. That's right. Through the uprights. And third, Dawson, Dawson Knox, Knox popped one up and through the uprights. He no doubt got some coaching tips from his sister, who plays soccer at Auburn University. Last thing. Serious soccer you, player. From tidbit from my, my own career. Okay. The emergency kicker for the Buffalo Bills during all four years of the run for the Super Bowl was none other than yours truly. Wow. Square toe shoe. Steve Tasker, backup On the kicker. sidelines, every game was a shoe that I had that was a square toe shoe that in case something happened to one of the kickers. That's amazing. Or whatever, I was the guy. I will be off on Thursday and Friday as I take my son to college move-in weekend, but Steve will be here with Maddie. They'll see you tomorrow at 1.